0: Chris Smith had some glowing things to say about Tiger Campbell following the win on Saturday against Arizona. Wait until you hear what Smith mentioned about his teammate. Plus that UCLA women's basketball team quietly dominating the Pac-12 standings as they continue to fluster and frazzle their opposition Is this a Bruin team that can be considered Final Four worthy? We will discuss on this episode, but first, let's welcome you into the show. I'm Brian Fenley. I'm also a co-host for the Bruin Insider Show, a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio. That's why you should definitely subscribe to this fine podcast and become a regular consumer of this program and as you are already aware, please, if you have anything on your mind about UCLA and its athletic programs and you want to discuss or have questions or comments or concerns, please reach out. My email, lockdownbruins at gmail.com, and I'm on the Twitter machine at Brian Fenley. So basketball will obviously envelope this episode. On the men's side, we will bask in the glory of what Tiger Campbell is doing on the court as we enjoy so much his quick maturation process. And then we'll hear what Chris Smith had to say about what Tiger Campbell is doing on the court and the high praise that Smith has for his teammate. Speaking of other quotes, sticking with that idea, there were other comments made by the Bruins after the win against Arizona that I feel like are important for you to hear. So I will read them, but not but not just read them. I will react to them and then tell you what these comments mean about where this team is, their status, their progression, and obviously how drastic they look compared to the beginning of this season. And then finally, time to honor the women's basketball team because they have been so mighty in the Pac-12, winning against the Bay Area schools last week. How massive was that win against Stanford now that UCLA has shot up to number 7 in the AP Top 25 poll this week? And like we said, is this a Bruin team that might be the best in the program's history? Why, if it is, that is the case? And are they a team that is deserving of being talked about as a Final Four caliber Team. I mean, I think that they're right on the fence there when you consider the the top echelon in women's college basketball right now. But let's begin with Tiger Campbell. If you've had a chance to listen to Tiger Campbell speak during any of his interviews throughout this season, or even listening to this podcast, the one thing Tiger Campbell hates is talking about himself and bragging about himself. You can try but he has this forbidden, inherent rule within him that he just can't do it. You love that because that shows you how much the team concept means to him. And so while as hard as you'll want to try to get him to say something that aligns on the side of being boastful, since he's not going to fall into that trap, his teammates will do the bragging for him, and we'll do the bragging for him on this podcast as well. Chris Smith, who has been such an important piece to this team and leads the team in scoring, has realized this quick ascendance of his starting point guard in Tiger Campbell. And before I point out Chris Smith's Comments on Campbell after the win against the Wildcats on Saturday. I'm looking at this game in in Campbell, and he, every single game, drastically looks so much more comfortable taking his own shots, creating space in the offense. And whether it was being mismatched with a big on him and getting around him and getting to the goal and scoring, or even Nico Mannion, I remember, was guarding him one-on-one, and Campbell had the rock, went behind the back with the dribble, completely mystified Mannion, got to the cup and scored. There were runners that Campbell made. He knocked down three-pointers, has all the tools right now, and is doing it in such a way where he's so in control. And so Chris Smith, after witnessing all of this firsthand, said, as far as Tiger Campbell, after the game, Quote, that guy is a great point guard. He is probably the purest point guard in college at the moment. Now, everyone wants to be like Russell Westbrook, but Tiger is a pass-first guy, and he just loves what his teammates, or when his teammates succeed. That makes him happy. Now, I would argue, now while the NBA is at a much higher level than college, and so it's hard to compare players that are currently in the NBA and in college for the example that I'm about to bring up, but look, Russell Westbrook, yes, a Bruin, but he has the notoriety of being somebody that takes a lot of bad shots, and I know Chris Smith said he's not a past 1st point guard, but if you're looking for somebody that's less mistake-prone, is going to take shots that don't feel rushed, don't feel forced, and have a higher probability of going down, whatever the level and you're just comparing it based on that. I'm going with Tiger Campbell over Russell Westbrook. So, and it's not just what Russell West or excuse me, what Tiger Campbell is doing. He's being more selective and being so much more smart with what shots he takes. So is Chris Smith. Chris Smith, a guy who also mentioned after the game, there's nothing better than when there's time on the clock and the home fans, referring to the Arizona fans are leaving the same fans that were growing crazy talking crazy to you a couple parts of this quote that I want to bring about for one i think it's inherent in any really smart competitor that they amplify the feeling that they're being slighted or that someone's out to get them i think that's a an archaic motivational tool that has been proven very successful over the ages. But I think this comment goes beyond that, more than just trying to, in this case, prove Arizona fans wrong. This goes to something that I believe is a paradigm shift with this UCLA program, And that I think you might agree with me that in the past, this Bruin team was more likely to actually believe, not just what the Arizona fans said about them, but what any negative negativity was thrown across this program. They were more willing to accept that as their fate. Now, I feel like this team is beginning to go on this revenge tour. This personal challenge individually within each player to say, you know what? We are regaining the pride within this program. And look, we've listened. We used to, I would say, even believe it is true, all of the criticism, and now we're saying, now take this, because we are back to believing in ourselves. And again, reinstituting this pride. What is the use? When was the last time you had deep down pride yourself as a Bruin basketball fan for this team? This is what not only you are trying to get back to, but this team is doing so. Speaking of pride, how about this comment from Jalen Hill after the game? When he said, quote, I feel like this team could play like this all the time. We've just got to make sure that we keep doing it. Okay, so I want to stop with that first bit when he says, I feel like this team could play like this all the time. Could you, in your wildest imagination, picture a Bruin player saying that at the beginning of this year? Or even in the last couple years before Cronin got here? When somebody says, I feel like this team could play like this all the time, that is the ultimate buy-in statement. And I believe that the influence and the impact and that other players on this team see how much Jalen Hill is buying in, it's radiating onto the other players. And they have no choice but to buy in because they look at Jalen Hill. And I believe that Jalen Hill is a mentor for a lot of these players on this team. And a lot of them look up to him for guidance and leadership. The second part of that comment is he says, quote, we just got to make sure that we keep doing this. So how does this keep going? As I throw out that question for you. Well, if you buy in, there's no choice but for it to keep going. And if you keep up this level of buy-in, what that's going to look like is more physicality on the floor. I believe that the hardest part about sustaining this and having that sustainability factor with, okay, we saw what they did against Arizona. Now, how does this become a regular thing every single game? The hardest part is having that first breakthrough. When, and I've said this before on this podcast, if you're one who at the beginning before the results were showing, Mick Cronin was basically having to speak into existence what he thought was going to happen. It wasn't happening. The players had to lead by blind faith and hope that what Cronin was saying was actually going to work. That the hardest part is over with. The players are starting to see that Mick Cronin is a man of his words and that what he says gets done. And so, now it's a whole, the whole thing is about consistency. It's not getting there. We've seen that this team can get there. And now it's consistency and obviously the success begets more success more success and i believe a lot of it and this sounds very cliche but it's how badly do you want it really i mean how badly do you want it how hard are you willing to work and that is going to lead into something that i believe is one of the worst adages clichés in college basketball something about hard work and it revolves to what Mick Cronin is doing right now, and that's coming up next. It's it's pretty common. This you know it's been it, it it's been all too common this year when Mick Cronin has addressed the media that he's done so by going on these long rants, these run-on sentences that basically will tell you verbatim everything that his team did wrong in said game. But the more this team wins the less explaining Mick Cronin has to do. And after the win against Arizona on Saturday, his responses were a lot shorter because he didn't have a lot of things to say. They did bad in. And he went on to say, one of the most telling points was, he said, quote, you can't play much better than that when referencing the win against Arizona, saying hands down the best game we've played all season. Now, what led to this being the best game? Before I address that, I want to pull back for just a moment because we all grew up playing a sport or being involved in some sort of competition and we've heard these adages and I'm paraphrasing but people have said to us at one point or another that there's some things in sports or there's some things you can't coach like toughness or hard work or work ethic or passion for the sport. We've all heard these things in one capacity or another. But then I hear what Mick Cronin says. And he says, hands down, the best game we've played all season. And I get to thinking, what was it that made it the best? And then I look at the game, and I watch the game over and over again. And I say, the toughness. And then I think to myself, but wait a minute. This team hasn't always been tough. tough. Mick Cronin has said his biggest goal, one of his biggest goals as a coach at UCLA is to dispel that reputation of UCLA being a team, in his words, that is is soft and not tough. So how can you say that you don't, or you can't teach toughness if we're seeing it now from UCLA when this has not been something they've always had? Or have they? And that brings up an interesting point because Mick Cronin is a coach. He's also a teacher. Teachers are the most important pieces to our society. What does any teacher tell you is the most fulfilling part of their job? What they're trying to accomplish? I would say in in my conversations with them that it's finding something in said pupil that he or she did not see them themselves, they didn't think they were capable of, but they were able to achieve. Mick Cronin, as a teacher, has done just that. We thought, the players thought, ah, oh, you know, they're just not tough. Or the players themselves accepted the faith that, yeah, what they're saying about us, we're weak, we're, we're, we're soft, all of that. But maybe they actually had it within them. Maybe it was just deep in the cobwebs of their mind. They had to dig that out and reprogram themselves because, look, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't something that was highly talked about for any of the players who were within the, the past regime before Mick Cronin got there. So maybe they can have toughness. They didn't have to recruit a whole new bunch of players to, to get that toughness. I see toughness when I see Jalen Hill. Jalen Hill reverberates toughness. And I think that if anybody needs a lesson on how to be tough, it's watching Jalen Hill. The one play that is embedded in my brain coming from that Arizona game and showed you one small sample size of why this game was all UCLA and why UCLA won was that Jalen Hill, during one play, he ripped the ball away from an Arizona player. Just took it from him, said, give me that. Went up to the rim strongly, scored, and got fouled, went to the line. Right after that, he faces his teammates, celebrates, lets out this elated response, and his teammates salute him, and they're up off the bench. And By the way, the energy on the bench now is so much better. That's a good sign of a team concept and that they're really getting it and understanding more about their roles and supporting one another. But just that one play was a microcosm of play after play where UCLA just out-muscled Arizona. And that left their head coach, Sean Miller, saying after the game, and I think this was more of an exaggeration, but this could have been more symbolic, but he said their toughness made our guys cry. And I'm paraphrasing His statement there. So what all I'm trying to say here is this. This team had toughness. It just hadn't been exploited yet. And they finally found the right teacher that has been able to discover it within the crevices and deep down in the bowels and brought it up. And you saw that toughness against Arizona, because any time on defense, UCLA was on defense, and Arizona was trying to find a shot at point-blank range, here's the three situations that would happen. The Bruins would either challenge the shot, severely alter the shot, they would block the shot, or they would foul said player, and it wouldn't be some soft foul, it would be a hard foul not a flagrant foul necessarily, but a hard foul that made you regret thinking to yourself if you're on the Wildcats, why in the heck did I just drive into the rim when I knew I was basically going to get tackled? When you start making your opposition second-guess themselves about going to the rim because they're shy of contact or they can't match up with your toughness, you win ball games, And that's exactly what Arizona failed to do. UCLA was so much better in that area. And speaking of domination, women's basketball as well for UCLA, and we'll get into that next. I've been pondering about the possibility of UCLA women's basketball making the Final Four, and that got me thinking, what's the criteria for us to gauge whether a team is that good? A couple different bullet points that I think do signal that the Bruins are right there when it comes to being a Final Four team. They are winning on the road. They are winning against nationally ranked teams on the road. I would argue, and I don't even think it's close, that the Pac-12 conference is the toughest conference in women's basketball. And the Bruins are coming off beating Stanford last week, then ranked sixth in the country. The Bruins are... In second place in the Pac-12 standings. Second place in the Pac-12 standings. Very close to first. And they have found their identity. They have found their toughness. And they have their leaders. Those are well established within the program. They have stars and they have WNBA first-round players. Michaela Onyanwere is as good of a player as you'll see in college basketball. And what also befits this team being a Final Four potential club is that they win a lot of ugly games. There are a lot of games that they don't play very well, but they still win those games. And I think that that is a sign that it doesn't matter if they're playing their best game or not. They still have the gumption to to win and they had to do that against Cal last weekend when they went into overtime against Cal. And who do you think they went to in the clutch? Onion Were hits a turnaround, Jay, less than a minute to go in overtime. And that would be the go ahead basket that would cement the win for UCLA over Cal. And look, I think that this team knows exactly what they're good at. And that's another thing that, that shows me that. They're, they're one that could make it far in the tournament. They understand their their limits as a team. They go and try to optimize their strengths, and they don't play beyond what they're capable of because Corey Close said, you know, we're not a team that's going to be one that's going to shoot the three a whole lot. We're going to get to the rack, be tough, and get to the line. Sounds a lot like what McCronin is trying to get out of his players on the men's side. And just to put into perspective how much of a milestone this win was for UCLA over Stanford last week. That win for the Bruins trashed a 16-game 16, a sixteen game home winning streak for the Cardinal. And we are deep into February, and that was their first loss at home. <laughs> that was their first loss at home. Those are the kind of wins that you see from Final Four teams. And Onion Wary said after the game, after the win against Stanford, that Coach Close came out with fire. This according to the Daily Bruin and other media reports. Coach Close came out with fire before the game, adding, I think that that really spoke to me and the team. She challenged our, cuff, our toughness and our aggressiveness, and we knew that in order to win this game, we had to be aggressive, we had to be tough, and we want to do everything we can to win. If I read that quote and did not tell you who that was, was speaking, you could have just as well thought that was somebody on the men's basketball team. These two teams are getting the whole toughness thing. The Bruins, what makes them so good is that they pounded in the paint. They never feel frazzled or flustered when they're down, and it's a pressuresome situation. They never flounder in in high anxiety times in a game, and they force a lot of turnovers. They force a lot of turnovers, and they have a wonderful blend of veterans, upperclassmen, and youth that are really highly recruited coming out of high school, and even freshmen and sophomores who are not playing like freshmen and sophomores. They're playing like seasoned vets, and I feel like the, the chemistry within that team is so good that you would look at that roster and say, how are they this good? But then when you see how all the pieces work together, then it makes sense. Because individually, it might not wow you. But then when you look at how all the pieces work together so seamlessly, then it's no surprise that this team has been so good. And you know what they love most? not a whole lot of people are talking about them in women's college basketball. You know, there are those that every year are seemingly in the Final Four, and all the pundits will be biased towards giving them more consideration for love and, and attention. But I think UCLA women's basketball is okay with being less regarded. I think that that's another source of motivation. And as I said, as I said earlier with Chris Smith, Any good competitor will find and dig deep for any way to feel slighted because that is the best fuel to motivate yourself, to prove somebody wrong who did not see something in you that you know you have within you. Appreciate you all checking out this episode. So much more throughout the rest of the week. The Bruin men have a couple home games coming up this week, and they are against the Washington schools. Tomorrow on the podcast, I'll give you what Tracy Murray had to say as far as UCLA's next opponent. You've got Washington State coming to town before the weekend, and we'll begin to dissect that matchup and how the Cougars, who already beat UCLA, how UCLA can now learn from that experience and get some revenge. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm Brian Fenley.